You know, today we start a new series that's going to be all about prayer. And today we're centering on a very important prayer, and that is the prayer for help. When we say, Lord, help me. And that's what we're going to be talking about today on this All Saints Sunday. Today we'll be remembering saints, and Dawn will do our roll call of saints. These are persons who've outrun us to heaven since last we met on All Saints Sunday. And we'll be reading names of people in their, from their early 20s to over 100 years old. And all are saints, baptized into the body of Christ and uplifted through the nurture of the church and have outrun us to heaven. This year is going to be one of the deadliest years in our country's history. And so it's in a very solemn way that we come together and not only remember our saints, but we also remember how many families have experienced death in their uh, particular close circle this year. How many friends have we lost? And not just to COVID-19, but to uh, other measures as well. We want to be remembering those who mourn and who grieve and hope that God will lift us from the shadows of death to the light of his eternity as we go through this All Saints Sunday. Today we're looking at primarily two passages of Scripture, the one that Don read from 2 Corinthians, and one also from Philippians 4, beginning with the 8th verse going through the 13th verse that I'll be reading in just a minute. In Corinthians, the Corinthians passage Paul said the thorn in his flesh has come from Satan. And I think that's very important for us to note. That God does not put thorns in our flesh. That they come from beyond God. Apart from God. And yet it is God's grace that is sufficient to supply our needs in the midst of the thorny life experiences that we have. I want to also say a word about the church at Philippi, and we'll be reading that passage in just a moment. Philippi was Paul's favorite church, I, I believe, and I say so because of all the letters that Paul wrote to his churches as pastor. Uh, this is the one church that he didn't have really a word of criticism for. It's sometimes called the epistle of joy. The Philippian church was a huge supporter of the missionary work of, of Paul. And we know that he was in great gratitude for the way that the Philippian church supported him and Silas in the missionary journeys. The 16th chapter of Acts tells us the story of the conversion of Lydia, which was just outside of Philippi. And it also tells us in that very same chapter of the conversion of the Philippian jailer. Both Lydia and the Philippian jailer were not only baptized, but their entire households were baptized with them. Paul called this the joy and the crown, the Philippian letter. And Maxie Dunham referred to Paul's letter to his friends at Philippi as the river. The river, perhaps like Lydia and the, the, the God-fearing women were studying by the river. Maxie Dunham says this is what this gospel, uh, this letter, this epistle is all about. It's about a river that will forever flow into the hearts of those who are looking for a fresh word from the Lord. 
That's the way I experienced Philippians. Some of my favorite verses in all of the New Testament come right out of the book of Philippians, the river. And I remember that song we used to sing as youth. I've got peace like a river, peace like a river in my soul. And that's what the letter to the Philippians does for me. The river is the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that supplies our needs. So let's read this passage uh, from Philippians this morning from God's holy word. I finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that I know at last you have received your concern for me. Indeed, you have um, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little. I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, the first truth that I want to focus on this morning is that we have an amazing power in prayer as the gift of God's grace. The prayer power to face any situation that life presents us with is a gift of grace. And Paul witnessed this in verse 11 when he said, Now that I am referring to being in need, not that I am referring to being in need, but for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. To be able to say that is is a gift of grace And it is powerful. It's freeing. It's liberating. And this is the dramatic claim that that Paul is making in this 11th verse. And it flies in the face of the Greek philosophy uh, that he is in the midst of. The cultures that that, that he has gone into with the gospel uh, were very Greek in nature and philosophical in thought. And Paul was bringing theology and belief of God into the midst of that. I want to talk about one philosophy in particular that uh, scholars tell us that Paul's writings were particularly uh, confronting, and that was Stoicism. The self-sufficiency of the highest aim of of, of Stoicism, the the Stoic ethic, was self-sufficiency. By contentment, the Stoic meant It's a state of mind in which a person has absolutely and entirely become independent in all things and of all people. 
A state in which a person has taught himself or herself to need nothing and to need no one. But how far from the Christian faith was this Stoic ethic removed? Very far. The Stoics proposed that to reach that state of contentment, that you did so through a particular path of the mind. The Stoics believed that the contentment did not consist in possessing much, but in wanting little. The Stoics carried to the extreme wanting little. They believed that the only way to be content was to abolish all desire, all emotion, until a person had come to that state of needing nothing and no one. This was essential for the Stoic. So in order to achieve this sense of contentment, the Stoic abolished all desires and eliminated all emotions. And T.R. Glover says this, So we see at once the difference between the Stoics and the Apostle Paul and his letters, his teachings. The Stoics said, I will learn contentment by a deliberate act of my will. And Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Stoic said contentment was a human achievement. And Paul said contentment, peace, is a divine gift. The Stoic was self-sufficient and Paul is God-sufficient. Is Christ sufficient? Is one who is a child of grace? Paul could face anything. He could have everything and have nothing and still be content, still be at peace. Because God's grace was sufficient to supply his needs. The person who walks with Christ and lives in Christ, Paul was quick to say, has help from Christ and the power to face anything. I hope that's good news for you today. I hope those of you who may have lost loved ones hear this word that in Christ we have peace. You know, being a leukemia survivor myself, I realized how many people, particularly children, have died from this horrific disease. I've long admired a, a pastor uh, named uh, Dr. John Claypool, uh, who was a Baptist pastor who became an Episcopalian priest, uh, who was a wonderful speaker and also a writer. And it was through a traumatic life experience that his ministry uh, seemed to really flourish and touch lives, millions of people, through the last three decades. John Claypool uh, was one who had an experience that we would, um, none of us would want or certainly not wish on anyone. And that was this distinguished pastor from Kentucky who died in 2005, wrote a little book um, in, in 1972, I believe it was, that was called Tracks of a Fellow Struggler. 
And at the time that the story, uh, John was happily married and the father of two fine children. He tells what happened when his world went to pieces, when his daughter, Laura Lou, contracted leukemia and died. This book was the first um, uh, that was first written decades ago. It's been reprinted over and over and over again. I keep a stash of them in my office for people who need that peace that the book gave me and gives me over and over again as I experience the loss of people dear to me. Laura Lou was a bright and exuberant child, John Claypool said about his daughter. She was full of life and joy that, that sprang up in her. She just finished the second grade and was um, participating in recitals. A, a particular Saturday, she had a violin recital in the morning, and that night she had a ballet um, recital. And, and the next day, she seemed to be tired. And we attributed it to the hyperactivity that she had been involved in. But she stayed tired, and then her ankle started to swell. And finally, the pediatrician sent us to a specialist at Children's Hospital where we learned that our daughter had leukemia. When I first heard that diagnosis, Claypool wrote, I went outside alone to cry. I asked the same questions that anyone would ask in a situation like that. Why has this happened? Why do little girls get leukemia? Why, why did Laura Lou get leukemia? Why is there leukemia at all? Why is there sickness and suffering if God really loves us? Those are hard questions. And yet they're real and they're authentic. And many of us have asked questions similar to that about other diseases or sicknesses or circumstances that, that have come our way when we've needed an extra measure of God's grace. John Claypool said, I found no answers to the deepest questions of the experience. I did find that we had to go on living, for there was a little girl who was sick and was dying who needed us. I had a wife who needed to be comforted and a son who needed to be reassured. And there in the darkness, I also found one who had suffered too, and it was Jesus, by whose power I learned to walk and not faint and to endure and find meaning in the midst of darkness, that's the witness. We Christians have amazing powers because of, of this first fruit that we want to say, this first truth that we want to uplift, this grace in Jesus Christ and the spiritual relationship with God who can enter our darkness and carry us if we need God to do so. And the second truth that I'd like to lift up today is this. There is grace experienced in Christian fellowship. You see, we don't have to face um, our, our loneliness, our darkness uh, alone. 
That the church is here for that. All Saints Sunday is a time when the church gathers and uplifts uh, the saints in their memories. But, but most importantly, it underscores the support and the love and the care of the loved ones who still grieve. Paul recalls um, and is grateful for the support of the Christian fellowship that he found in the midst of his churches, the one at Corinth, the one at Philippi. And in this Christian fellowship, he said, you shared with me in my distress. He said in verse 14, you sent aid once again to my necessities. It was financial and mental support to be sure, but it was far more than that because it was the mood of all of Paul's letters that the Christian fellowship is bound together in mutual support by the love of Christ we are called to share with others who are in need and are called to grasp as Christ offers it to us as a gift. I love this fellowship, this community here at Lover's Lane. We have a unique fellowship that is caring and supportive of one another. And I pray if you're listening to this from another congregation, I pray that your congregation meets that need for you as well. For this is the call of the church universal. And it's certainly the call that we as local congregations should live out. Finally, I want to say this morning, we have ultimate sufficiency in Christ. We have amazing coping powers and there is support in Christian fellowship. But there is this final truth. Our ultimate sufficiency is in Christ. Volumes have been written on this verse 13 of the scripture lesson. It is the Mount Everest, if you will, uh, of Paul's affirmation of life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have amazing powers to face whatever life presents and, and, and whatever power that is beyond us. The support of the Christian fellowship is essential. That's right. It's essential. But ultimately, we're cast back to the bedrock of our Christian faith. And that is the sufficiency of God's grace that we find in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love what Paul said to the church at Corinth. Three times he said, I appeal to the Lord about this. That it would leave me that thorn in the flesh. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient to supply for you. For power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. So that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then 
I am strong. In 1972, Larry Gatlin wrote a a simple prayer song for Chris Christopherson. And the song reflected the, the waning days of the flower children, really, and the Jesus movement. And the album that the song was on was called Jesus Was a Capricorn. You may remember the lyrics. Jesus was a Capricorn. He ate organic food. He believed in love and peace and never once wore shoes, long hair, beard, and sandals, and a funky bunch of friends. Maybe they'd just nail him up if he came out again. But there's another song on that album that is, in fact, the theme of this day. It's that prayer song that Larry Gatlin wrote. It's simple and straightforward. And it speaks to us about this aspect of prayer that the Apostle Paul calls us to. I hope that you will hear ringing true through this song the prayer that sometimes we find ourselves needing to make. Lord, help me. Lord, help me walk another mile, just one more mile. I'm tired of walking all alone. Lord, help me smile another smile. Just one more smile I know I can't make it On my own I never thought I needed help before Thought that I could do things by myself Now I know I just can't take it anymore With a humble heart on a bended knee Begging you please help me Come down from your golden throne To me, lonely me I need to feel the touch of your tender hand Remove the chains of darkness Let me see, let me see Just where I fit into your master plan Never thought I'd needed help before Thought that I could do things by myself Now I know I just can't take it anymore 
With a humble heart on a bended knee Begging you please help me With a humble heart on bended knee Begging you please help me